0: When they leave high school, they have to do everything on their own. They have have to practice some of that independent learning.
1: Welcome to Talking About Kids. I am your host, R. Bradley Snyder, researcher, activist, and author of the five simple truths of raising kids. The transition from high school to college can be difficult for some students. Here to talk about that is Amy McGrath. Amy is the vice president of educational outreach and student services for Arizona State University. She also is the Managing Director of the ASU Preparatory Academy, which is a network of public charter schools sponsored by ASU. Starting now, Talking About Kids will be dedicating one episode a month to supporting the formation and coordination of adolescent-centered care and services we'll be using the Arizona Alliance for Adolescent Health as a model. So once a month, you also will hear Vinnie Chilani and Bierre Thompson participate in the discussion and share information about the Arizona Alliance for Adolescent Health's activities and resources. These episodes are being recorded live using a webinar platform to encourage questions and participation from Alliance members and other listeners. If you would like to participate in the webinars, you can register on talkingaboutkids.com. It is my hope that these episodes will inspire you to join the Arizona Alliance for Adolescent Health or whatever alliance exists in your community. Or if none exist, I hope that these will inspire you to form your own. This podcast was sponsored in part by the Arizona Department of Health Services' Must Stop Bullying campaign through its Title V Maternal and Child Health Program. For more information, go to muststopbullying.org. And now, the interview.
2: The Arizona Alliance for, for Out of and Tal 3D began, I want to say about six years ago, you know, joining the community and leading adolescent health services, just recognizing there were not necessarily advocates out there, um, really advocating for, for young people and making sure that young people have access to the supports and services that they need to reach their full potential. And as a healthcare provider, it, it was very obvious how we delivered care in silos, silos of medical, behavioral, education, social service. We, we delivered care in these verticals. And our task really is how how do we build horizontals across these verticals to make sure that young people have access to developmentally appropriate care that is coordinated, that is inclusive, and that reflects their needs. And so over the years, we've been very fortunate to have funding support from groups like the Vitalist Foundation that allowed us to form an executive committee to think about who we were going to be and how we best advocate for young people and promote healthy outcomes for Arizona youth. And so this is where we've landed. The Alliance is really a group of of, um, individuals and organizations that work in the youth care space. We are diverse, we come from healthcare and social services and our goal is really to foster a community of practice and, and foster interdisciplinary dialogue so that we can identify solutions um, you know, in social in social services, Brad, we recently started screening for social determinants of health at Phoenix Children. and we found that over a hundred over of of 150,000 patients that we that we surveyed, 17% had an identified social service need. Yeah. You know, our our healthcare spaces are only points of brief contact, and true outcomes are formed where young people live, work, play, learn, and it's really how we make sure that we have touch points. Um, at, all, at all of these uh, sort of domains so that young people have access to supports and services. We have a hub of organizational partners, um, a firm, uh, the Arizona uh, Academy, of American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, Children's Action Alliance, and we're really also building our base of members, both organizations and individuals that care about the issues we care about.
1: And and Pierre, if people wanted to learn more about the Alliance, where can they go?
3: Yeah, so we're really happy and fortunate that we have now what's called a hub or webpage, the healthyazuse.org website. We launched it in February, and we're really excited that we're adding resources every month to that. we have up to about 800 resources now that folks that are healthcare clinicians, youth servant professionals, or parents and caregivers can access.
1: And what sort of activities are you engaged in and what sort of things are coming up for Alliance members?
3: Yeah, so as Vinny said, you know, we started out as a small group about six years ago, but now we're really focused on statewide expansion. And so we're trying to engage folks in new ways, innovative ways. And so this podcast is Mm -hmm. a new way for us to engage folks, but we're also working on the first ever comprehensive status report or report on the state of adolescent health in Arizona. So we're really excited that that will be distributed at some time later in the year, uh, but it's really designed to articulate the most pressing issues facing adolescents here in Arizona. Fantastic. We're also working, yeah. We're also working with Rising Youth Theater. We got some projects coming up in the pipeline this year and next year as well. We're really excited about that as we just participated and collaborated with them at the Adolescent Health Conference in July.
1: And I have to say, I think it's one of the the things that um, so many movements like this fail to do, which you're doing so well, which is include that youth voice, their perspective on what's happening to them and their world. And one of the things I also know that the Alliance is doing is reaching out to its membership and, and asking what they're thinking about, what are they concerned with? And that's actually where this week's topic came from um you had reached out to the membership and and heard from some members that they were looking for ways to support students as they're transitioning from high school into college support them emotionally support them in their mental health and so this is why we're so excited that we have Amy here to talk to us A- Amy how many different preparatory academies are there now I know it's, I remember the original campus, but you have multiple campuses now, don't you?
0: We do. We've grown quite a bit. So ASU Preparatory Academy has 11 schools in the Phoenix area and spread on five campuses. And then we have a digital school that's offered to the entire state for students that want to have flexible and remote learning. And as you can imagine, during and post-COVID, that has really grown. So we have about 8,000 full-time learners that are Um, coming to us in um, various models, hybrid, um, all day long, some fully from home or in coffee shops. And so it's really a great demonstration on how learning has changed. And then beyond that, ASU um, Prep is working with schools and districts around the country and around the world. And we have about 30,000 students that are taking courses with us um, in significant concentration in the pathway work. So students that are hungry and voracious for college learning, but have a bit of a ceiling. um, And so they can come to ASU prep for that support for college going pathways.
1: I think people always um, like to hear about how we've arrived at where we are in our different careers. And, and Amy, what got you this position, what got you interested in this kind of college prep approach for kids?
0: Well, I am a teacher. And so as an educator, having such a strong desire to help equip students for success is what really drew me to this work. Um, I also have my own children who are now middle and high school kids. And so now the real work is uh, from teacher to mom, that collision is intense. But my my strongest desire has always been, even as a 21 year old teacher, um, and now you know, 25 years later, I would I want every kid that we I have a chance to engage with to be creative and curious and emotionally intelligent. And so obviously, the academic core is incredibly paramount in how we're helping those students to advance along their learning journey. But the output and during that journey, how we engage with that student to support them, to care for them. Brad, you made a comment about students having voice, agency, knowing when to give students the appropriate amount of agency. That has always been a really huge passion of mine. And I'm very privileged to have joined ASU seven years ago to do that work on more of a national and global stage Uh, to ensure that students are well supported in their Mm -hmm. transition into college going. And some of that can be during eighth grade. We have really strong students that are hungry for college credit and they're they're very young. And so they need different levels of support. Um, So we've built quite a bit of programming around helping students be in tune with their emotions and what tools that they need to have to advocate for themselves. Um, to have the confidence to raise their hand and say, I don't understand, um, especially when maybe not in a physical classroom, but next to them in a chat room is a 21 year old that's mm-hmm. taking the same college um, content as the 13 year old. And so there's some really complex dynamics that go along with that. And, um, and we at PrEP really believe that supporting the social and emotional health of the student is really foundational in their success.
1: I think I have two questions, and I think they might be related, unless I I misunderstand um, what you're implying. But you were talking about engaging students who are hitting a ceiling.
0: Mm.
1: What do you mean by that, please?
0: So, of course, you've got students who are across a proficiency scale, some students that really need a lot of time. I think about it as a treadmill, a student that needs to walk to their destination, and then you've got these Um, collegiate athletes that are Mm. just sprinting. And I find a lot of our gifted students are very bored and Mm. often then um, running into a little bit of trouble and making um, poor decisions because they are not actively engaged and intellectually stimulated. And so students around the country who are really just kind of um, hitting a ceiling because the system cannot adapt to their learning needs That's the model that we're trying to build is not a structure for school purposes, but a a model that has the student in the center. And as we've been able to release these, we are it's moving to see how many students are advancing so quickly through through courseware when we don't tell them you have to finish this in one year Mm. because they'll ask, can I finish this in a semester? Can I do this in three weeks? And then they keep moving. Um, And so that's sort of the ceiling that we're trying to blow through and and allow them to to kind of create their own path to college.
1: And of course, when they get to college, um, especially if they're transitioning out of a student-centered environment, my guess is that they're facing some challenges. And so what are some of the challenges that you've seen students face as they've kind of made that jump from high school to college?
0: Well, we spend a lot of time with students asking that question and um, another wonderful benefit of being a part of um, an enterprise such as ASU or lifelong learning, we have access to learners across that learning continuum. And so um, ASU Prep has what's called a learning success coach. And whether you're in kindergarten or you're a senior in high school, you have a learning success coach that is your own personal education advocate And they don't do the um, core academic, um, you know, assignment work. They do the qualitative stuff. How was your soccer game? Did you spend enough time on your humanities paper? Do you know Mm -hmm. how to cite references? Um, Those are the types of questions they kind of get in touch with the student on whether they're more if they have a bend towards STEM or they're more of a humanities learner um, and they help with such great supports Um, what these learning success coaches are trained in is what's called progressive autonomy and so we really want to hold hands with the student and come along support come alongside for support in the early years but as they grow into college going students they need to be independent for the Mm -hmm. very reason that you said brad and and that's so that they can transition into a college environment with um, an independent spirit and an, the ability to advocate for themselves. So, there's a lot of um, training that our counselors go through and our success coaches work through. And we also train other schools to have this because it's, you know, it's really a gift to students. Uh, and you need to engage the parents and guardians or whatever the learning community is surrounding the student, um, which is why I'm so excited about this forum because I think the a community uh, in arizona we have so many assets to offer as it relates to support in the students learning journey that might not just look like textbooks for math and science
1: well i know that i have a lot of follow-up questions but i, I want to let everybody who is attending this live taping of the podcast to know if you have a question please put it in the q a section and we'll try to get at it um, if we can time allowing so amy i have to imagine When when I envision a student who is not being challenged in their homeschool environment, um, not being a challenge where they are, that they might also not have a ton of models for how to be in college. And I know that there's a lot of things that people experience. I know that we used to call this feeling like a fraud where you get to a location and you don't feel like this is where you belong. Is this a common complaint for some of the students that you're working with or or in uh, a common hindrance that they get to universities, things that they've worked for and clearly um, have achieved and deserve, and they get there and they worry that they don't belong?
0: So as a first-generation college student myself, and I, my father was an immigrant from Ireland, and there was a a lot that I had to overcome, um, and I'm grateful for that because of the sense of resilience that I um, I have and want other students to have, and I think there's quite a language system that students need to have to. It's a Um, A vernacular of sorts that gives them this confidence that they deserve this education and that there are really elite universities, including ASU, that are saving a seat for them. And so taking on that ownership of Changing the mindset. And again, this kind of goes with the our programming to have learning success coaches really work on executive functioning skills for our students. That would include the transition of how do I view myself, what and and giving the students tools to understand and be in touch with their feelings, to be able to give um, a framework of language um in order to ask questions. Um, so that's all part of sort of the um the fundamental um foundation that needs to be in place is if a student, we have so many bright students that are lacking, as I mean, I'm talking to health professionals that know a great deal more than I do, but their frontal lobe is not even fully formed in order to understand who they are and what they want to do and how you know what maturity um, it takes to handle all that comes out of you as a first-time freshman and so we role play and we practice and we spend a lot of time um, in in scenarios where the student gets negative feedback, how do you respond, or when you don't get into the course that you want, or you're dropped by a professor because of, you know, some paperwork, walking through those scenarios and letting the student mm-hmm. get in touch with the emotions of, um, well, I would probably do this, or I might call my mom, I, you know, and, and being able to give them some skills um, is really helpful. And we also let the students, you know, in, in peer collaboration, that's a really fun Environment to be in is to to um, we use Socratic seminar, and so to have the students really lead conversation about um, some of their um, progress and advancing um, how they view themselves as a college going student uh, is another really great way to give them that independent agency.
1: And so I, I'm picking up on several of these techniques, things that the members of the alliance can start to do with their own with the kids in their own schools, and their own homes and their own practices. Obviously that role-playing is, is so very, very important, role-playing these scenarios they might face. I'm hearing talking about the language, how to advocate for yourself, the kind of questions to ask. Um, do, do you also see on the flip side, are there any mistakes that you see people who care about kids making um, with these kids who are college bound?
0: Uh I will even self-report as I'm I was saying it's easier with students than it is as a mom. Sometimes you want to help so much because maybe mm-hmm. you've been through so much that it's um that I I find that we need to encourage our success coaches who have built such deep relationships to know when to back off and to allow in a safe environment some failure so that they know how to get back up and and establish that grit so i i would say uh, i i review a lot of models nationally i love reading about what other um, uh, really um, high performing high schools are doing as it relates to success for their students and some of the programming i think that can be dangerous is how much help they get um, so it, it, and I say that only in for the student so that there are these opportunities to be able to pull away so that it's not such a stark um, kind of cliff that when they leave high school, they have to do everything on their own. They have they have to practice some of that independent learning.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I know that in some of your work for the um, for the Alliance, you've gone out of your way to, to create environments and educational situations where to help students know that they're not alone and things that they're going through. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: do you think that this pertains to college too? Is this something that we need to do more of?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think we talk about that a lot. Just in terms of when you look at the definition of adolescence, it's anywhere from twelve to twenty-four, right? And so that college-age population are the ones who are most forgotten, because we we have a certain expectation for them that doesn't necessarily fit. <laughs> uh, although it may be age appropriate, maybe it's not developmentally appropriate. So I think it's definitely important mm-hmm. attention to that population.
1: Yeah, even that notion we were talking about feeling like a fraud, um, the, the other thing is that you've got a whole room of people who might be feeling like a fraud, right. you know, and getting, creating an environment where they can um, be okay admitting that vulnerability um, and, or even just being open enough to hearing it from other people, too. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that in other people, I think, is, is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, the other thing, too, is failure you know for very driven students and you know I've had a, have been fortunate enough to be involved with different groups of of excelling students from Flynn scholars to Truman scholars and the first failure for some of these young people can be really interesting because sometimes it is their first failure um to to you mentioned some of these students Amy that are blowing through material in 3 weeks Mm-hmm. They might experience their first real academic failure in a in a college setting. Mm-hmm. Vinny, in, in your experience, what what can that first experience of failure mean to an
2: adolescent? Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine, especially for young people whose academic performance is core to their self-definition, that can be a period of questioning. Do I belong here? Is it right? I, am I apt for this? But, you know, Brad, I, I'm sitting here and I'm reflecting on my practice, and, and there are three things that come to mind. One, the importance of cultivating expectations for young people, because young people will live up or live down to our expectations of them and their expectations of themselves, right? How we, how we cultivate greatness and aspirations for, for, for young people. Second, is the importance of autonomy and agency and how parents need to allow young people to exercise these and treat these as, as, as formative years where they build these competencies. And our hope is that we have young people that are good self-assessors. To know when to ask for help is a critically important skill. Sometimes it's okay to wait and give your young person the agency, to the, the openness to ask for help when they need it. Third, is is when it comes to willful children, willful children can be difficult to parent. They can be headstrong. I say, you know what? They might be difficult to parent, but that's the kind of trait that will lead to academic success and success, right? How how you embrace the difficult parts of parenting a willful child because that will can can be a strength. And well, that's that's
1: wonderful. That's wonderful. And Amy, um. we've covered a lot of ground and we're only here for a little bit of time uh, once a month but building on that do you have any final recommendations for this group of adults that cares terribly about these kids that are transitioning from high school to college
0: i just think and i think we're all three saying very similar things um, that this um creating a culture of self-improvement continuous improvement And um, allowing students to fail by not having the perfect answer and creating those environments to practice in safe spaces uh, with a community of adults that care is going to create such um, a, a more solid glide path into college, especially As we all know, you know, 50 percent of the high school seniors that graduated in Arizona last year did not go to college. So we have a lot of work to do. And I would just beg the adults that are in charge of these types of and and community models as well, boys and girls clubs and all of these different places where we get to engage and um, interact with uh, with as Beard said, adolescents, are, we've got such a, a large um, span of years. Um, so to create environments where we're cultivating learning agility so that students know how to act when they don't know what the answer is, mm-hmm. um, is, is quite a challenge. And, and I'm excited that you all are creating a forum to have conversations like this. And Amy,
1: do you have any resources that the people listening can, can go to if they want to learn more about the models that you're employing or the kinds of supports that might be available for them, to them and, and the, their local colleges and universities and schools?
0: Yeah, on our um, asuprep.asu.edu is a really great place just to um, begin at least where ASU Prep has um, a, a series of resources Uh, Arizona State, as you can imagine, has um, a myriad of assets under our ASU for You catalogs. That um, you know, an approach that ASU prep takes is to create um, homes dedicated to learning. So often Mm -hmm. we are working with a student who's in ninth grade biology, and then we learn that the parent has never had the chance to take that. And so, why not take it alongside with them? And so, we have adult courses that can. Um, you know, be deployed in really flexible ways. So, thinking about learning assets is um, available to all at any point in your learning journey. Um, and so, there's there's quite a bit on those two sites.
1: Amy, I want to thank you so much for not only being a guest here, but of course for everything that you do to help kids succeed. So, thank you so much.
0: So it's been a privilege. Thanks for having me.
1: That was Amy McGrath. I also was joined by Vinnie Chulani and Bierre Thompson. For more information about any of them or the Arizona Alliance for Adolescent Health or to register for the next webinar on adolescent-centered care, please visit talkingaboutkids.com. Our theme song is by the Senators. For more of their music, go to thesenatorsmusic.com. And remember... Kids are young goats and young humans, and the difference is that young goats are easier to manage.